In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 357th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode, surprisingly, A Battle for First Place with the Bucks. That's who the Falcons are playing. They're 2-2 two and two after two defensive stands in the last two games against Seattle and the Cleveland Browns, and they're all set to battle. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are also 2-2 two and two for the top spot in the NFC South after five games. You don't get a trophy for that, but uh, the guys are excited about it because the first thing you want to do is be relevant in the, in the division. Jake Matthews was uh, pointed that out yesterday. We'll hear from him. We'll hear from uh, Coach Arthur Smith uh, and Coach Todd Bowles today here on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Yes, the um, major news out of Flowery Branch yesterday, running back Corderell Patterson, who went into the game last week as the number three rusher in the National Football League, is headed to IR with a uh, knee surgery, he had a heavily taped left knee, and, uh, you know, they kept listing it as resting knee, resting knee, questionable. He played, and then uh, after the game, he had surgery on the knee and will be out for the next four games. His first possible return game would be the San Diego Chargers on November the 6th. So let's get right to it here. we hear from Arthur Smith. On Corderell Patterson going on IR. Corderell Patterson, we'll, we'll put him on uh, IR to return. We had a minor procedure this morning that uh, will help him long-term. If it was something that I thought that was going to be significant long-term, I'd, I'd go in more specifics, but he will go on IR with the plan for him to return. Well, there it is. Uh, Corderell was, I don't know, if, we can't say went down in the game. We don't know when he got hurt. Uh, but um, I think he did come back and had one six-yard run. But the uh, young kids took over when he was out of there in that 10-play, uh, 75-yard drive. Caleb Huntley, he's technically a rookie, second-year guy, was on the practice squad all of last year. And Tyler Algier, who is a rookie, took over at running back. And even Avery Williams, the converted cornerback, slipped in there for a 21-yard run. So um, based on what they did in Cleveland, the Falcons have to feel pretty comfortable uh, with the backups. But here's what Coach Smith said on how long Patterson could be out. It's a minimum four weeks, and so we'll see what it goes after that, and we'll uh, bump Caleb Huntley up to the active. Yeah, like we ne we didn't see him, you know, one specific play or anything, uh, or if he um, was injured during the game, went back in and re-injured him. So, you know, we wanted to get some specifics from Coach Smith on that. So uh, we, we asked on whether Patterson was re-injured in the game. You know, again, I'm not, not the doctor, but, you know, you're trying to weigh all that and there's nothing that he did that 
put them at any further risk. It's just you've got to assess, well, is this something that you want to have week to week and, you know, how, how's it going to go? And we got a great medical team and, and CP felt, and I don't hate to talk for him, but obviously he would, he would have played if that were the case, Mike, and it's something that we feel will, be, will help, help him more importantly in the long run and, and help the team. And, you know, this is the whole dance we do with the coaches. Um, they try to make the coach the single voice of the team. In the old days, we just went to the trainer and the doctors and got the medicals. You know, hey, he tours meniscus. He's going to be out a couple weeks. Uh, we might try to get him back in here in, in three or four weeks. And you had a clear picture. You had the doctors talking medical uh, information, whereas, you know, now you got the coach saying, hey, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you talk to him. Since we can't talk to him anymore, so we need some better information. So, you know, we wanted to know also if he re-aggravated his injury during Sunday's game because we don't know when he got injured. I wouldn't necessarily call it that. But, um, again, I think, you know, to be where he wants to be at his maximum uh, effectiveness, that had a, a minor procedure today. and I wouldn't call it minor every time you get something. I don't want to make light of that. But he had a procedure done, and we, we expect him back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm going to request the doctor so they can uh, turn it down for the 367th time. Because uh, that's, you know, this is a pretty big injury. Leading, running back in the in the league. And uh, we don't know when he was hurt. We got a procedure. Pretty sure. I don't know if it was. If it wasn't major ligament damage. He'd be gone for the year. So, you know, you don't want to speculate on meniscus because that would be a shave and, and a quick return, which is what they're talking about. But, you know, we're just going to call it a knee for now, and we don't get those specifics anymore. But don't want to be Debbie Downer here on the injury reporting, uh, how it goes down in, in the in the 2020s, uh, as opposed to how it used to go down in the 90s. But uh, we'll keep it moving. But, uh, you know, there was a point in the game where um, Coach Smith gave the team the, Dave, the offense to Dave Ragone, and he wanted to, the offensive coordinator. He said he's, he likes the coordinators on the, on the sideline because that allows him to stay on the game. He doesn't have to go back and forth. So he trusts Ragone, and, uh, you know, we wanted to know if there was anything that motivated Dave Ragone to get the offense fired up in the second half. Call the offense up. That's what I said on the headset. I got a lot of faith in Dave, and that's the good thing about having Dave down there and Dean, which I've been way more comfortable with this year, being able to talk to him. It's one thing on the headset when they're upstairs, but I like that because then it allows me, I don't have to turn my back as much to the game. It allows me, in my opinion, to be a better head coach. So it just goes like this. Actually, it's on the left side. Dave, get the offense together and, and get them going. And Dave's done a terrific job with that, and that's, you know, that's why I got a lot of faith in our staff. Yep, and uh, we'll we'll learn more about that. You know, uh, I don't know when it was. You know, I think it was right before the ten play, seventy five yard drive. It's like, hey, we gotta get going here, and they did. They punched it in and came up big with the scores, uh, uh, so forth. And uh, uh, so he credited Dave for going with that. But he, it is a different setup. You know, um, some coordinators like being up in the booth, some like being downstairs, but. Uh, here is Arthur Smith on how much that decision to have the offensive and defensive coordinators upstairs or downstairs was him versus them. You know, I said I'm not going to ask somebody to do if they didn't want to, you know, with Dean calling it down there, but he had done it both ways. He called it down in, I mean, Baltimore, New England. 
and what do you think is best for the team? And I like having Dave down there again because it it allows me to not have to turn my back as much. And I could communicate to Dave when they were talking about players, coaches, and he could do a great job coordinating behind me. That's what he is, the coordinator. And we have such a really uh, good working relationship, and I think Dave's doing a terrific job. But it does. It's it's nice where I don't feel like good, I'd be the head coach. Well, Dave, you can say things, and then when Dave does it, he's got his own style to it. It's it's impactful. It's important. All right, let's uh, let's move on to Tampa Bay's offense. Like I uh, I said, they're two and two on the season. They open with the nineteen to three win at the Dallas Cowboys. That was that uh, Thursday night, I believe. Thursday night tilt. Then they won uh, at New Orleans twenty to twenty on September the eighteenth, and then they've dropped their last two fourteen to twelve to the Green Bay Packers on uh, September the 25th, and then on October the 2nd, they lost 41-31 to to the Kansas City Chiefs, and the game wasn't that close. They got some scores late to, to make it look a little bit closer than it was. I want to also go to their starting lineup here. We got some familiar names starting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The starting offense features Chris Godwin, Wide receiver Julio Jones and wide receiver Mike Evans, a three-receiver formation, 11 uh, personnel. So what they opened up with in Kansas City or within the Kansas City game, which was in Tampa. The uh, running back is Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady at quarterback. And then the uh, line is Donovan Smith, Gonke, uh, uh, Hainsey at, at – um, Center, Shaq Mason, the former uh, Georgia Tech standout, and Tristan Wirfs at right tackle. And tight end is uh, Otten, O-T-T-O-N. That's your uh, starting lineup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their last outing. That was the lineup. And uh, Julio, is uh, he played 18 snaps in that game, two targets, uh, one catch for seven. He was coming off a knee. He's only played two games this year. Uh, with four catches, 76 yards, and zero touchdowns for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his new team. I think he got about $6 million to uh, go try and win a championship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's look at their season stats thus far. Fournette's the leading rusher with uh, 60 carries for 224 yards. Rashad White is the uh, second leading rusher with 11 carries for 21 yards and one touchdown. Okay, receiving another familiar name, Russell Gage. Uh, Gage is the top receiver for them with 21 catches for 152 yards and one touchdown. Mike Evans uh, is the leader in yards. He's got 16 catches for 235. Uh, 14.7 average and three touchdowns. That'll be one of the matchups to watch. Michael Evans and A.J. Terrell. And Fournette has caught the ball out of the backfield for them also with 16 catches for 111 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Cameron Bright didn't start, but he's, uh, he's their tight end of choice in the past game. Has 11 catches for 100 yards, a 9.1 per catch. Uh, no touchdowns there. No touchdowns for him. Now let's go to uh, 
Mr. Brady stats here thus far. You know, lots going. You're gonna hear a lot about this week about uh Tom Brady's 10-0 against the Falcons that bring up the 28 to 3. And hey, but this might be their best chance to beat them in a while. So this uh defense we'll get to the Bucks defense. Uh they lost a couple people over there and one's hurt. That's gonna maybe uh make this a uh, more even game than the folks have have it at. I think the um Bucks opened at eight points. But you'll see um the stat it was like Otto Graham was twelve and zero against somebody, Brady's ten and zero against somebody. Uh but I saw that on one of those um bleacher report tweets. I should have kept it. Brady is one oh six for one fifty five this season for one thousand fifty eight yards. So we're four games in, so you could just multiply by four and see that he's on pace for another four thousand yard passing season. He's completed 68.4% of his passes for uh, six touchdowns and one interception. And he has a passer rating of 97.7. So those are the key weapons for the uh, Bucks offense. Uh, you know, Brady Fournette, he moves the ball around to about five different guys. Uh, they, they'll be mad because they got blown out by Kansas City and, uh, you know, it'll be a tough, tough go down there on Sunday for the Falcons. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents. Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip hop. We're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. This is episode 357. We're going to hear about the Bucks defense here and some of the key matchups that the uh, Falcons will face. But, uh, you know, let's start off with hearing from Jake Matthews on Corderell Patterson going on injured reserve. That's tough to hear. Um, he's been one of the guys on our offense that's really helped get everything going and started and he's a, a great teammate and a, a guy you can count on and uh, just brings an attitude and an energy that I think has um, you know helped us do what we've done uh, so far this season so hopefully he re recovers quickly and um, you know he'll be missed that's for sure all right there is Jake Matthews uh, you know certainly Corderell is going to be missed but uh, you know the young guys did pretty good, so we'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, we were, we were um, concerned about that, so we asked Jake, will it take a team effort, you know, to fill the void of Patterson? I think we all um, should have an attitude like he does. He, he's relentless. He brings it, and, and that, you know, every single play, and that, that's something you need to do to be able to run the ball. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, pick up on that with him not being in there and um you know it, it takes especially around the football it takes 11 guys so 
um, I think that you know there's going to be a lot on us as a, a group up front to continue to run the ball well, but we got a lot of other really good guys who can carry the ball as well. So I think we kind of showed that this week. So we, we just got to continue improving on that. and um, It's going to be a good challenge this week, but, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. And it's going to be interesting to see if the, um, you know, you knew coming into the season who the weapons were. Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitt, all right? And so they, they, you know, that's fine. That's what they, that's what the Falcons have been doing. And Drake, Drake London has been a pleasant surprise. You didn't know how much to, to expect from Drake London. So, you know, going into these games here, it's like, okay, they got Patterson, better cover pits. Uh, London's going to do some damage. Uh, so now, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus, you know, stepped up, made a play. Parker Hesse had a 22-yard game. So, you know, guys are starting to step forward. But to lose such a major cog in the offensive operation, you know, it's got to change things. It's got to change, you know, how the Falcons are going to approach it. Uh, So we wanted to know from Jake whether or not the offense changes with CP out. You know, I think, I don't know if it changes anything necessarily. We still have the same mindset of what we want to do, but he's a really, really good player. And he definitely has been a – like I was saying earlier, setting the tone for us offensively with the way he runs the ball. So um, he's going to be missed for sure. And, you know, I hope he has speed recovery and gets back quick. But, you know, we got to we gotta kind of pick it up. And um, I think that puts more on us as an offensive line to, you know, help um, propel the offense kind of like we had our opportunity this week. So we got to keep continuing to do that. All right, no question about it. Hey, th- this is a, a real tough stretch the Falcons are getting ready to go into. You know, we, we used to break the season up in quarters. I'm still going to do it, and then we'll just have the quarters plus one <laughs> since we got the 17 game uh, this year. So, you know, we didn't know a lot about this team going in the first quarter. Now we know it's a gritty, tough little team that wants to um, fight all day. They're, they played four one-score games, and they ran the ball on people. Uh, and, you know, when you uh, run the ball, when the other team knows you run the ball, that travels. That um, that puts you in a great situation. And um, quite frankly, they got to run the ball because the quarterback, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota, 7-19, uh, uh, one sack, 20 dropbacks last game. They, they're, they're, you know, heavy run, heavy run team, 55.5% of the players are run. So they got to run the ball. And this quarter here is going to be really, really tough. We'll know even more about this team if they could somehow, um, you know, pull off some wins here in this next quarter where they're going to Tampa. San Francisco's coming here uh, the following week. Then they're going to Cincinnati and uh, then uh, hosting Carolina. So y'all saw San Francisco last night get after um, Stafford and the Rams, sacked them about five or six times. That was just, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Debo Samuel and uh, and the Bosa kid and see what the Falcons do with those guys. Because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he wasn't even supposed to be there. <laughs> but oh, we, we'll, have, we'll have plenty of time to talk about them next week. So, uh, but yeah, Tampa, you know, they're mad, two and two. San Francisco's looking pretty special right now early on. Bengals are finding their way. They thought they fixed the offensive line. They didn't. Uh, and then Carolina's one and three, and Baker's throwing the ball to everybody. So, you know, that, that was to be expected. So the next four games are going to be pretty interesting, too. Now, if you could figure out how to get two of those three, 
you know, and you're going you got to get the Carolina game too. So that would make you two of those. You get those, you get two, three. So you go three and one in this quarter. Then you're sitting, they're sitting five and three at the halfway point, which no, nobody predicted. So, I mean, you got to figure out how to beat Tampa Bay or, you know, San Francisco and Cincinnati, and you should be favored to beat Carolina. But that's where we're at here, you know, in the second quarter of the season. Let's look at the Bucks defense. You know, they are they're reeling right now. I was reading some of the copy out of uh, Tampa today, and they were not happy that the Chiefs were able to run the ball on them at all. And uh, they got some nice stats on uh, the run defenses under Todd Bowles. And let me just get to the Chiefs' numbers real quick here. They ran the ball 37 times for 198. Uh, Picacho uh, and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did most of the damage. Uh, Edwards-Hilaire, the former LSU back, was 19 for 92. And Picacho, he was a sensation there. Uh, Rutgers, I believe, 11 for 63. He's a guy that uh, everybody in Kansas City knows and the league doesn't know yet. Uh, he still got Jarek McKinney on the team, too, former loco and former Georgia Southern guy. So the starting defense, a couple names are missing that I'm pointing out uh, off the rip here. Jason Pierre-Paul's not there. Nama Kinsu is not there. Okay, so the big front they had, you know, was, you know, it's not, it's not what it used to be. Akeem Hicks was brought in, but he's missed the last two games, hasn't been on IR or anything, but Akeem Hicks makes this front a lot tougher next to Vita Vea. But um, Nunez Rochas is in there next to Vita. You got Shaquille Barrett and Joe Tryon as the outside linebackers. Look like they opened in a 4-2 five nickel against kansas city with all their wide receivers and so and then devin uh white and levante david were the inside linebackers you had jamal dean at corner with carlton davis and then they started three safeties uh so that's a big nickel so they tried to to deal with travis kelsey in a big nickel uh with winfield uh, mark edward mike edwards i'm sorry and logan ryan the veteran of 10 years been around the league and so forth and um, there are also some names on the defense that we know uh Keanu Neal played 46 snaps in this game and seven on special teams uh they list him as a linebacker but I thought you know I'll have to find out before Sunday if he's really playing linebacker or safety you know he played linebacker in Dallas they were supposed to be moving him back to uh safety here but um against this yeah they list him safety in the book and linebacker in the playtime chart. Now I was under the understanding that he went back to to safety. So that's where we'll be looking for him at on Sunday. Now the um the Bucks do have 14 sacks. They do uh they do get after the quarterback. They used to like getting after Matt Ryan. Uh Devin White leads with three. Nelson has two. Barrett's two. Vita Vea one. Carl Nassif one. Uh, Levante David won, Hall won, Edwards won, Winfield won, Tryon .05. So they got 14 sacks to seven for the opposition. Uh, Jake Camarda is the punter. Y'all know who that is. Former UGA guy. Uh, and uh, Jamal leads him in interceptions with two. 
Uh, Darden's their top punt returner. And um, Rashard White is the top kickoff returner. Three for 71, a longer 28. So those are, um, you know, the big issue with the with the Bucks uh, defensive front. Let me go back to their starting line. That that's been a problem. They whooped the Falcons up for the last few years. You know, you could they, they couldn't you couldn't run on them. You couldn't pass protect. White was coming off the edge. Uh, it was it, you know it was just a bad mess up, matchup. But last year in the second meeting. That is when Arthur Smith saw a breakthrough. I didn't see it in that game. That's where he saw the line handling the Bucks a little bit better than they had been in the past. So um, that let him know that, you know, he could stay with some of these guys when everybody was thinking it was time to move on uh, from some of the players and so forth. So um, that's going to be where the Falcons got to win at. Everybody knows now they got to run the ball. The um, Bucks are upset because they gave up 189 yards rushing last week, so they're going to want to come out and show they can stop the run. And so that's where this game's going to go. Uh, the Falcons, you know, they just can't let Brady zip up and down the field. You know, their timing looks a little bit off. They're not in, you know, peak season form, you know, and so it's not like, hey, they're the Tampa Bay Bucks that were going to steamroll everybody. It just hasn't been the case. It just hasn't been the case early in this season. Hey, so, you know, that's the Bucks. You know, it's, it's going to be a, uh, you know, the Falcons improving defense. Hey, can you handle uh, Brady? Can you get after Brady? Uh, and can you, you know, you know, handle his checkdowns? He likes to go to Godwin and now Gage. Okay, and then you got to be ready if Julio Jones or Scotty Miller goes over the top. And then in tight spaces, he likes Cameron Brake. Uh, he's been leaning on Mike Evans a lot. So, um, you know, you got he's got weapons. Uh, he's Tom Brady. We know you know the drill. Uh, try to get after him, get him off his spot. Don't let him zip up and down the field. Make him earn everything. You know, the Falcons have been doing a great bend but not break thing. And I, I'm still trying to figure out how Cleveland only got one field goal after getting to the one uh, and the two. I mean, everybody's getting cute now. I mean, line up. Run the ball. It's one yard. Knock, you know, you know, block everybody. You know, they tried to. Richie Grant came in and knocked uh, Chubb back two yards when they were on the two-yard line, but I wouldn't have ran no slow development play where he got a run and start and could come back and get you. So but but so that's where we at. You know, the Falcons gotta do that bend but not break thing. Don't let them score. Keep them down the field goals. And then somehow mash them in the run game and hit some timely passes. Uh, you know, from uh, Marcus Mariota's, you know, uh, as advertised, he, uh, you know, he had some issues with interceptions uh, and so forth. But they, you know, they they found a way to play and found a way to to win two games. And, you know, yeah. And, uh, you know, his he shined, you know, bobbled the ball through some interceptions. But uh, that one play at the end where they needed to get down the field goal range. He's scrambling to his left, stops. I don't think he flips his hip all the way, but he he gets that ball out to Zacchaeus some kind of way, and Zacchaeus gets upfield for 42 yards. So he's going to make those plays, you know, and he's going to make some frustrating plays. Uh, so at least you know what you're dealing with uh, now at the quarterback position, four games into it. And uh, no, I don't, I don't know when they're going to go to Ritter. I don't know when you put packages in for him. Now you're competitive. You're playing for first place. 
and you got to fight with the dogs that, that got you there. So I'm thinking that's uh, going to be the mindset moving forward. And then, you know, later on, they'll get to, you know, get Desmond ready to go in, in some meaningful uh, action. So with that, let's go ahead and close out with uh, hearing from Coach Todd Bowes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach Bowes got the job this year uh, after uh, Bruce Arians resigned. Coach Todd uh, was head coach up in the Jets up there. Did about as credible a job as you could do with that franchise and uh, the revolving door they have in their front office. Uh, coach Bowles started his coaching career at Morehouse College on Doug Williams' staff back in the day. And so... Let's hear from Coach Bowles on the – he played at Temple for Bruce Arians with Keith Armstrong and those guys and uh, got into coaching through um, Doug Williams when he was head coach at Morehouse. So here's Coach Bowles on the chemistry between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Tom Brady. We felt like we found something in the passing game with those guys back. Obviously, the chemistry was there. And when you got that kind of firepower, you want to use it. So, you know, it's not about being balanced. It's about scoring enough points to win the ball game. I thought they did a decent job in the passing game last night. Yep. And uh, um, let's hear from Coach Bowes on the Atlanta Falcons. I think they've done a great job. Uh, their run schemes are outstanding. Probably one of the tops in the league. Their defense is playing very well. Uh, they do a good job keeping you off balance. Mariota does a good job of running the offense. They have a lot of pieces to use. Obviously, the tight end is great. They got a first-round receiver. They got a lot of pieces, and their offensive line is very tough. So they've been running the ball on everybody. And considering how we play Sunday, it's going to be a tough task. Yeah, he's not happy about that 189 yards. No question about it. Uh, just before we get out, I want to go over some of the names on the Tampa uh, defense because some of the backups are going to be playing in here. You know, Akeem Hicks, if he doesn't go, uh, it's Raheem Nunez-Roches who started for him against the, the, the Chiefs, and that's who you'll see in there. Uh, depending on the formation how they open, William Golston will be the other end. Joe Tryon. Penn State kid as uh, an uh, outside linebacker for him. Uh, defense being outside linebacker, depending if they go 3-4 or 4-2-5 uh, for the Falcons. They'll probably go 3-4 base for the Falcons because they're expecting them to run. Uh, Carl Nassif is uh, his backup. Devin White and Levante David, K.J. Britt and Ukunali Fukasa or the backups at uh, inside linebacker along with Kenny Young. Shaquille Barrett and Anthony Nelson. They're getting the pass rush guys. Corners, Jamal Dean, Carlton Davis, backed up by Sean Murphy Bunting and Zion McCalla. And D. Delaney uh, is the uh, backup corners here, according to their depth chart. So the safeties, yeah, so the, Antoine Wingfield Jr., you know him, Logan Ryan, and Mike Edwards. And uh, Edwards is backed up by Keanu Neal. So it's interesting that they um, when they started three safeties, Keanu wasn't one of them. So that was interesting. So Jake, yeah, yeah, Jake's the Georgia guy. <laughs> Fourth round pick, 133rd overall. So, yeah, Jake is uh, the punter for them. Let's go and look at his stats real quick. 18, 44.6, 41 net, one touchback, seven inside the 20. So Jake's off to a great start to his career down there with Tampa Bay. He's uh, Jake is uh, handling the punting, the kickoffs, the holding. And Ryan Suckup remains the place kicker. Your long snapper is Zach Triner. 
punt returners, Darden and Rashard White. So there you go. Just wanted to make sure we had all those names. Uh, Julio's Mike Evans is back up, by the way, but they might start them all together here. So there, there we go. I'm going to wrap up here the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. It's a battle for first place in the NFC South between the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1 p.m. on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. So uh, tune in. Um, tune in here. We're going to have the mail back rolling after the game on Sunday. Feel free to send us your questions on Twitter. But uh, we're off to an interesting start of the season. The Falcons 2-2. Two and two. Getting ready to head into the second quarter of the season against Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Carolina. We'll see if some more surprises. And maybe we'll be able to answer your question. When when is Desmond Ritter going to play one day? But for now, you got a first-place team getting ready to go play the GOAT. Tom Brady in his house, and and he's not happy. So that would be a great uh, opportunity for you to go try and take it to him. So we'll see how the Falcons do on Sunday. Uh, when they face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with that, we're going to thank you for listening to the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of your week. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mm-hmm.